Welcome to Tamar Talks, where music is constant and discovery is endless. Now your host is ready to tell it all. Ashley Tamar! What's up, you guys? It's Tuesday, April 28th, and this is Tamar Talks with the girl Ashley Tamar. How are you guys doing? How are you guys weathering the pandemic, all that's going on? I would love to hear from you um, through the Tamar Talks podcast. How you been? What um, what has kept you afloat? What has encouraged you, inspired you? Like for me, I've been praying more. I came to Houston to quarantine with my family It's been such a blessing to just spend this time. So I'm looking at the opposite side of the coin and the perspective and not feeling so sad about it all. I think it's really cool to see the things that I used to think were so important are really not important, um, such as like not having always to go to Starbucks and spend money and sit down and waste time and, you know, taking one with nature, praying more, reading my word more seeing my parents, you know, together more. So it's really cool, really interesting. So I just wanted to check in with you guys. It is your girl, Ashley Tamar with Tamar Talks. And before we get into a very nice interview with Mr. Barry Benson about streaming and how it has truly affected the arts community, which I am blessed to be a part of, I wanted to give you guys some updates on some things. According to Complex, there are seven companies and apps that are empowering both musicians and fans uh-huh, to create and connect in these alienating times. We know um, that the coronavirus has has affected really every industry. It has become a domino effect. I don't think it's been one industry over another, although I can only really talk from my industry perspective, which is the arts some laws that have been coming into effect that will be on my next podcast, such as the AB5 in California when it deals to us self-employed musicians, artists, those who have companies in the arts field. Very interesting what this coronavirus is really bringing to a head, what things will be in the pipeline, edited, altered for us who have been self-employed, good and not so good. And I thought it was pretty interesting that Complex came up with these seven companies and apps. And so I thought I would share them with you. The one that really sticks out to me, though, is called Songfluencer. It's pretty cool. It's like you write a song and then, of course, that second mystery step is what is it? Nashville-based Songfluencer are attempting to make the process more clear and sustainable with how to get our music out and how fans, you guys, can help and make money. By working directly with artists and labels to disseminate music to influencers on Instagram and TikTok, Songfluence's goal is to create easily replicable content that will spread among the platform's respective users. Songfluencer has several influencers on staff to help come up with ideas that will spread quickly and be picked up around the world. According to the co-founder Johnny Coherty, the goal is we're going to hire influencers, 10 influencers who will inspire thousands of users on TikTok to use that audio in a visual piece of content. So I am hoping that my new song, Imagination, and some other songs I have coming will be picked up by Songfluencer. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's a lot there to read. Another one that Complex did bring up was called Quello. Um, And it's kind of touching on the concert withdrawal. It's owned by Stingray, which also operates a karaoke offshoot and a classical music channel. Quello has grown into an impressive hub of live music since being founded in 2010. And as people look for ways to lift their spirits and manage their anxiety in this crisis climate, Quello has opened up viewing experiences more broadly to the public. 30 high-profile shows, And they've also made 40 years of footage from the prestigious Montreal International Jazz Festival available with the 30-day free trial. So I knew I'm going to sit back whenever I have time and really soak in some more music and live performances. Number three is Station Head. Station Head is a social radio and music streaming app and is offering another way for artists to get music out there and find new fans without having to vie for Instagram likes that may or may not even translate into actual listeners. Oh my gosh, I could talk all day about this algorithmic situation um it's very interesting how social media is is a good thing and yet it's such a complex thing for us 
artist. Station Head CEO Ryan Starr says he wants his company to be the twitch of music, creating both new revenue streams and a means of deep connection in these transient times. On the app, users play music through Apple Music and Spotify while also having the ability to speak their, to their audience and include live callers. So I guess it's kind of like what I'm using, the platform I'm using now, the way you guys are hearing me. So I guess I got to check out the Station Head. The app is free to use and open to artists and music enthusiasts at any level. Perhaps best of all, unlike other social media platforms, success on Station Head directly translates into cha-ching in the artist's pocket. According to, once again, Star, he says, you can talk with your music just like the radio, but 5 million listeners equals 5 million streams for every song played. Like Playlist did on Spotify, Station has the potential to launch the next great tastemakers in music. Hmm. Number four is Loom. Jacob Fergus, CMO of Loom. What the heck does CMO stand for? Um, He says, okay, 99% of artists on streaming services aren't making tangible income off their actual streams. There's got to be a better way for us to monetize streaming for these artists through direct support. So Mr. Fergus created Loom an app fueled by music discovery, but it's not your typical streaming platform. The app seeks to gamify music discovery in a way that hasn't been done before, allowing fans to find artists early, listen to them on the app, provide direct support through virtual gifting, hmm, and be acknowledged for their finds. Essentially, fans can compete to be the biggest fan of a new artist. So that's pretty interesting. I saw something on Instagram advertising loom so who i got homework to do too y'all number five i think it is number six is resonate resonate a cooperative a cooperatively owned streaming service launched in 2015 seeks to put artists and human curation back at the forefront of music creating an actively engaged music community not just a bunch of passive users and underpaid musicians the most meaningful differences between resonate and the major services are that it pays artists 70 percent of all income and that it's stream Stream to own model means listeners have access to downloads of songs that they play to more than nine times. Profits made by the company are split among listeners and musicians, labels, staff, and resonate volunteers. Hmm. With artists receiving 45%, listeners 35%, and workers the remaining 20%. The services catalog is largely composed of independent labels and artists. Artists with an impressive array of electronic, indie rock, and punk acts from all of the all over the world. So, ooh, resonate. That sounds like it's going to be intense. And the final one that Complex has listed is Tracklib. It's um, navigating the world of music copyright is completely daunting. It is one of the hardest processes to do, you guys. Even professionals on major labels are frequently making mistakes when completing all of these legal disputes, but that's why Stockholm-based startup Tracklib was created. It offers pre-cleared samples at a wide range of prices for both A-list beat makers and those just getting into the game. So get your little Kanye West on y'all and get them samples and get them right so you don't have to owe anybody later. With samples dating all the way back to 1928, Tracklib's library is a crate digger's dream. Producers pay a flat fee so they can commercially release music and then a licensing fee on top of that, depending on the popularity of the source material they're sampling. This has allowed people like T-Minus to sample the first choice record that became J. Cole's 2019 hit, Middle Child, without worrying about the convoluted clearance process so i hope this guys helps you i hope this helps you guys honestly during this quarantine time i know things are starting to open back up and yada 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 but i feel as though this is one of the best times to be so creative and of course once you hear this interview with mr barry benson you will hear him confirm all of these things um it is definitely not the easiest thing because you want to be out and perform and get that balance but it's kind of interesting to be sheltered in and to really use your god-given gifts to be creative so i hope these seven companies and apps really have helped you guys and uh, when we come back from this commercial break you will get to hear an interview with mr barry benson this is the tamar podcast no need to panic, it's automatic What you're hearing is real now, what you're feeling is real It's been a long time since you felt that vibe When you don't 
Thank you so much, Mr. Barry Benson, for being a part of Tamar Talks podcast. Um, I started this podcast because mm-hmm. I enjoy talking about the music business as an artist, but then I love talking to people behind the scenes who see it from a different perspective. So I really want to say thank you because you'll be like the first, mm, not just even new media person that I've interviewed, but really in the music business. Everybody else has been TV, film, and everything else. So, welcome to oh, Save My Talks. I know. Thank you. I feel so privileged. Yeah. So, I met you kind of on a fluke through a, a, a mutual friend, and I always thought you were genuine, but I don't think I really know who you are outside of being a great man of your word and in the music business, but you're an A5A, you're a father. But your day-to-day is very intense. So maybe you can tell us what's a day in the life of Barry Benson. And I know you you do a lot in new media and digital entertainment sector. And what does that really mean? Like, did that fall in your lap? Or have you always been into the arts? Tell us a little bit about you and your day-to-day operations. My day-to-day, you know, number one, I started as one of the first hip-hop DJs in California back in, like, the late, early 90s. And I had one of the first rap shows, like one of the those really only three, you know, and so I've always been into DJing. I'm a drummer on the side. So I've always been into the arts. My dad had a jazz band that I played in. And, you know, after working, doing kind of traditional radio promotion for a long time at labels and then doing A&R, um, I got involved in what was called, quote unquote, new media in the late 90s. And that was sort of my beginning when once Napster came and killed the regular music industry. And when we went from basically physical CDs to basically what became, you know, uh, file sharing, then what became ring mobile and ringtone to what became digital download to what is now streaming. So <laughs> I've, you know, I've made the transition working at startups and then working at uh, in tech as well as working at Interscope in this space doing sort of digital marketing, digital sales. And now the day-to-day is pretty much, you know, for 12 years, Stratus Digital Music has been the only African-American-owned digital full-service digital marketing agency that services independent artists and major label artists. So my day-to-day pretty much is very similar to what I like, I guess you could say like a pharmaceutical rep does when he services doctors. You have the relationship with the doctor. You have the relationship with someone like Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Tidal, etc. You leverage those relationships that you have with the gatekeepers that basically are running all of the different marketing promo opportunities that exist within those particular platforms. And my job is to sort of pitch my artists into those platforms. And then the other part of my job is to sort of oversee with the engineering teams at those places that the music that the music projects get properly ingested into those different platforms 
and are properly promoted. So I spent a lot of days sort of being a middleman of like making sure content is getting from A to B. And then the other side of it is making sure that content is getting promoted accordingly when it should be. So basically now playlisting has become, you know, the hot, basically the new radio. So a lot of my day is spent trying to make sure that my artists are placed across certain playlists that basically are garnering a lot of quote unquote listeners. It's like with radio. So my day to day is kind of spent doing that. Um, now that we're all inside, you know, the meetings are obviously on Zoom and, you know, we're, I'm working with artists just like we did last weekend. We had a couple of artists on the app Triller, um, which is a social media very similar to TikTok. Um, they did instead of Coachella, which was last week, they did Coach, Coachrilla. And so basically I was working for the past two weeks, getting my artists to record basically interstitial video content, like a live, like literally a concert that they basically could be a part of their three-day music festival, which over 100,000 people watched. So <laughs> my day-to-day varied. That was my day-to-day last week, but that kind of gives you a, a snapshot in terms of what I'm doing. Um, I do a lot of reporting weekly to show artists sort of like uh, what the analytics are, what they're looking like across where they're being listened to, how many streams, how many, how many, how many people are shazamming a song. How many people are saving a song within a given week? I'm literally drilling down into what's the reaction to what's out there with your record in the digital and streaming space. So that's kind of my weekly. I know it's a lot. It is a lot. Like my head is already like going. I'm already looking like I sent certain questions your way. And now I'm just kind of like, wait, I have an extra question now. So when when you say <laughs> you're leveraging, I mean, this is really good information to know. Is there one particular genre that you say is like really showing some good stamina that people may not know about. I know hip hop and rap is always up there, but have you noticed with the clients that you're working with, what type of music may be um, getting more rotation than others? Or is that is sure. not, that not even a factor right now? Well, you know, it's interesting because streaming is, is, is streaming. It, okay. Supposedly streaming is down 29%. However, for, I kept 10 clients right now, and pretty much their streaming is up about 10% over the last month. And I think it's because it depends on the clients, the genre. It really depends. Independent artists are doing well. And I work hip-hop and urban, hip-hop, urban, jazz, gospel, anything that's basically around African-American music diaspora is kind of my specialty. But mainly, obviously, it's hip-hop on one side, and it's urban sort of indie soul, and then urban adult. And... What I'm seeing is, you know, I have an artist named J.X. Hines, who is a singer out of North Carolina, who actually has been seeing his his, his streams pretty much increase 25 or 30% in the last two weeks, and which is very encouraging. Um, I have an Amarion project that came out about six weeks ago, um, and we're seeing that like perform at a level of about 350,000, 400,000 streams a week on Spotify and be pretty steady in that space right now. So... You know, I think right now you're seeing the independent artists, this is a great medium for them because everyone's at home and there's more music discovery now. So people are spending more time, you know, whether they're looking at their Instagram more, looking at their Twitter more, and you have that pointing back to an artist. They have more time to, for, for, for those independent artists, I feel, and in those particular music genres that flourish. And even on the hip-hop side, I have an artist named Hollywood Hemi who has a record with the baby who actually two years ago, I kind of helped break before, right when he was about to get signed. I kind of did the baby's entire digital marketing campaign for him. And we're seeing this record with the baby continue to like perform very, very well streaming wise in this space. And he's a brand new artist. And even though he has that feature, you know, when before the pandemic broke out, it was doing okay. But since then, we've seen like a major increase, like in our Apple radio numbers and analytics um, with that record. So this is a good time for independent artists to create. It's a good time for them to really be engaged in their social media. That's, and I can't emphasize how important that has been for independent artists to really understand the tools. And what, partly what I do in my job, too, is to un- give them the proper tools within those avenues to help them above and beyond when they work with me to be successful. Interesting. Have you noticed that the numbers are up, say, for instance, for the artist that you were talking about that has the song with the baby? Are the numbers pretty consistent on all the aggregator um, sites like Apple and Spotify? Or do you notice like Apple is more for certain artists or is it kind of just even across the board? You know what? For some, it's even. and For some, it's it, it skewed. It's skewed dramatically. Um, it really depends. For example, for me, 
you know, and a lot of times here, these, you've got music fans that work within Apple and Pandora and, you know, and even Amazon Music. And a lot of them have different tastes. You know, there's certain people that have a different taste. So, so they're like, you know what? This record's a great record for Apple Radio, whereas it might not be for Spotify. So when you look at those numbers, you're going to be like, yeah, well, we're not performing as well at that platform as opposed to this one. But what I do find is that there is a consistency in terms of engagement. You know, I pay a lot of attention to that. And, like, the two things that are the key in this new music market in the digital site is looking at saves. In other words, how many people, when I'm sending Tamar a song and she listens to it, say, this is a great record, do you actually save that to a playlist? Or you just go, that was cute. <laughs> or that sucked. <laughs> On the other side, you know, what, Apple bought Shazam. So now when you look at the numbers, you can literally look at how many people Shazam the record within a day, how many people Shazam the record within a week. That tells you everything, right? So you can have a you know, you might have a huge record at radio, but if people aren't Shazamming it and if the Shazam's have consistently in terms of that rate, you know you've got a dog. So the great thing now is what I'm seeing is it's an opportunity for people to really raise their hand and to not only just listen to score music, but to really raise their hand in terms of being very very judgmental as or being very supportive in terms of what they like. And those numbers, you know, they, they numbers don't lie. So it's been really good, again, I said, for independent acts that I think right now, I, what I'd like to do is sort of create like a digital quote-unquote resume for them. So when all said and done and when, when people could start touring again, and doing shows now they have all of this great information they have it's like i've created a digital height sheet for them almost like a one sheet for an actor so now you've got all of your analytics there your you know in terms of where you've been you know your 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 streaming numbers your highs your lows your shazams all of that is available for an artist to be able to use that now to go back to a booking agent to go back to get, try to get signed to go and try to get on a you know sync license on tv and film placement whatever the case it might be. So it's a great opportunity for right now for artists to really sort of empower themselves in, the, in that space. This, this is the first time I've ever heard this perspective. Like, cause, like one of my questions was with radio, like, you know, people were coming in every Tuesday or every Thursday, like, yo, can you break this record? Or here's an artist we represent. This is what we're doing. Woo, woo, woo. And you're telling me a different perspective, like even with saves, I guess the question I have as an artist and as like, as a businesswoman and do what I do with the music educational side, how do people who are unknowledgeable about the music business know, you know what, I'm going to go and save this record or I'm going to go and like Spotify, I'm just getting hip to Spotify and I'm just getting hip to liking a song or something like that. And then going back to my playlist and be like, there's a song that I like from this artist named Alina Baraz or whatever, or, or, and, and I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, it pulled up again. How would people really know like that benefits us independent artists when you're seeing this on your side, the analytics, like how can independent artists go without saying, yo, go like my music, go save it to a playlist, go like, how do the general public or how do artists get that information out to let them know this helps us? Well, what's so funny is, you know, there was that old adage that if you want to hide something uh, from people, put it in a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, I'm going to apply. You see, I said people because, you know, this is a podcast. I'm going to be politically correct. Um, <laughs> but literally, <laughs> Tamar, uh, it's true. A lot of what I told you, guess what? All of this is available on Spotify for artists, Apple Music for artists, Amazon. The tools are available in the web, in the, in the, in, in the digital diaspora. People just don't realize that. Like literally, you know, there are those tools are available to you and they're right in front of you. You just don't think there to go, am I going to go to Spotify and go, how do I find how many saves I'm going to get? Or, you know, Spotify, how can I, how can I look at my numbers weekly? I mean, it's amazing because it's nothing. And then all I do is just the tutorial guys, the artists and go, it's all in front of you here. And they're like, oh, really? I didn't know. No, I know that. No, I, I agree with you on that. I just think it's just very interesting. You're right. If you if you put it on there, people are not going to read the artists. They're not going to read. And that's where the Barry Benson no. come in and, you know what I mean, and help out. So I guess the question is, how do some of the artists that you've been blessed to work with, like outside of them, I'm sure they have a relationship with you, their managers and agents and all the other stuff. But how would a new artist know that there is a Barry Benson and I need a Barry Benson on my team? You know what I mean? Like, how would they know that? You know, it's it, it, they probably okay. I'm just going to speak for myself. My business has been word of mouth for 13 years, at the grace of God. 
And I and sometimes I wonder, the first thing I say is, how did you get a hold of me? How did you, Barry, you know, someone told me about you. You, you did a great job with such and such and such and such. And I, word of mouth has been everything for me. There have been people also that will just end up just going, you know what? I need digital marketing. And they'll just search. And they'll find my website or they'll find my IG and go, oh, wow, okay, you know, okay, Stratus Digital Music. Um, you know, because some people are more savvy with searching hashtags than others. Um, a lot of it, though, has been folks that really just are like, you know what, I, my friend's an artist. He, I heard he did well with you. I got your number, or I found you, and, you know, I need some help. But there are a lot of folks, honestly, Tamar, that are out there that simply don't know, and this goes beyond, this gets into what's sort of been missing and even that more so now, which is needed, is there aren't, you know, I, I come from the era of music conventions. In the 90s was the era of, you in, in pretty much every major market, you had some sort of convention for not just major label artists, but you could promote it to local artists that are trying to figure it out. Urban Network used to be huge in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, you had Jack the Rapper, you had BRE, you had uh, Puffy had How Can I Be Down. You had so many um, avenues for local artists. You know, you pay 200 bucks for three days to sit down and to meet people like myself and you to get knowledge, to make relationships. That all ended in the 2000s. And kids don't have those opportunities and for the most part, aren't so have those opportunities to be able to do that. And it's been kind of sad because the, it, on the dig, on the digital side, and I'm saying more like necessarily with music, but like you've got, you know, the EA, the electronic arts convention for electronics, you've got CES and, you know, in, in Vegas, which is, you know, geared around, um, you know, everything in electronics, and you you have those sorts of conventions, which quite honestly don't really serve us, meaning African American people per se. You know, you're paying two, three. But kids, people have can't afford three thousand dollars for a register, or literally three thousand dollars for a weekend, including registration, to go and try to figure out what I'm telling you right now. And so I think there is a education curve that we that we miss in terms of having access to some of the events that take place in cities that allow artists to look for independent artists to be able to find things out. Um, the ones that are more savvy as independent artists, what I found is that, you know, it's still all still relationships and people, people talk, Oh, you know, I heard of you such, such and such and such and such and such and such found out about me. I've gotten five clients since working with the baby, all rappers, because I work with a baby and they're all were independent artists that, that had a connection <clears throat> through um, North Carolina and where he's from that then all of a sudden they're like, well, yeah, his manager's, friend's friend heard that you helped do him a couple years ago with the ladies project. Can you do, can you help me out now? So, you know, it, it, there is definitely, I think a, a learning curve. I think that, that, that unfortunately is not out there as much in terms of where independent artists, they don't know in many cases. And some people, some people are more savvy at researching online than others. That's another, that's another point. I've got some artists that basically have never don't have any relationships that have just been like, you know what? I just did a lot of research and I found you and I compared you to some other companies and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Wow. 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 I'm tripping at how much I'm learning. Like I, I some of this stuff I know and I, I've been talking about, but you, you bring more depth to it. So I guess in, in today's climate, um, artists who are doing their homework, which is very few of us and they come across your your table, what would you say in today's market with not even, well, let's say the coronavirus and post-coronavirus, what would you say is like the key personnel talent would need today? Okay, they have Barry Benson, but then what would you say makes your life easier if an artist is coming to you and they're getting their digital marketing through you? What else would you say in today's climate? Like you said, conferences and conventions were big in the 90s. That's not a huge asset um, because it's not really there. What would you say is like, you know what, you needed this before, but I would say to have a strong team with a digital marketing platform, this is what I think you should get. You should have. Here's the thing. I think right now in this post-COVID, post-pre, whatever we want to call it, climate that we're, about, that we're dealing in right now, I think that one of the biggest things an artist can do is to empower themselves. I think going back to school, going online, learning SE, learning you know, some of the, you know, getting certificate in just like simple things like coding, you know, shopping carts, you know, uh, um, SEO, search engine optimization, 
you know, um, it, 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 just social media one-on-one, like learning those tools is something artists need to be doing on right now. Like that's a must. And that's something that's required any money. That just requires them actually going out there and making it happen for themselves. Because what I look at is for artists right away is the first thing I'm, I, I'll say is what does your digital platform look like? You know, and if they tell me, uh, well, I really haven't paid attention to any of my platform, I'm looking at them going, you realize your record's going to be a, more of a struggle for me than it, than it needs to be because you, you haven't built your own story yet. And I'm not saying you need to have 100,000, a million Instagram followers and be, and be verified, but you need to be consistent with what you're doing within, within your social media. So that is the biggest thing that an artist has to be able to maximize by themselves and understanding the tools that exist. Um, I've been working with Triller again for the past month. It's still new to me, very much like TikTok. And, you know, it's as simple as, you know, the first thing that Triller contact says is, Barry, are artists literally posting a new video each week to Triller the way they would be doing um, on Instagram on a daily basis? If they're not doing that, they're not doing their job to be able to enable themselves to be successful. Because if you want me, Barry, to all of a sudden start promoting Tamar's new single on Triller, which is just really more than an artist putting together a 30-second video as a song with a song bed behind it with, with, with you doing with, with basically some sort of call to action, then they can't help you. So I think that's the main, I think that is really key for artists right now is understanding the tools within sort of the, the, the new social media. I call like Instagram, Facebook, is the old is kind of in you know Twitter is the standard, but now Triller and TikTok have become a part of that because now there's influencers that are looking at other videos, and those influencers have a lot of had a lot of say in terms of the songs that they want to be able to dance to or create coronavirus challenges to, which is huge right now, <laughs> you know, within people's households. Those have become major music discovery uh, uh, platforms, you know. Triller for every Triller for every video that someone watches for, twi- uh, for uh, on Triller for 28 seconds that counts as an Apple Music stream. So it's important that artists really understand understanding the tools, being consistent with the tools they're using, and un- being cre- and the other thing which is kind of difficult is being creative with what you're doing. I told someone the other day, right now is the time where everyone is a video director. Some are going to be better than others. At, at basically presenting what they're doing. Not just sitting here, just trying to sell record. See me, like my record, like my record. But what is it you're doing? What's creative about, which, about the content that you're, create, that you're putting together to keep people engaged, to grow followers, to grow listeners? You know, so that's what I would say. What artist do you feel is using that platform really good creatively? The baby. <laughs> not, uh, not because he's a okay. former client of mine, but if you look at his videos, I mean, that's all I've got to say. I mean, he's incredibly, it reminds me of old outcast videos. It, he's, an, he's not afraid to just take a chance and, and, and come. It's not just in strip club with bottles and money flying and, be, not, and, be, and not being afraid to really take you to, to really laugh at yourself. I think he's done a great job of that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know, I think as an artist, Thundercat, as we go to another genre, is, is, is you know, who's doing extremely, extremely well right now in the indie soul space, is, is a great example also. Um, you know, a real musician who kind of falls into that internet world at the same time, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, um, but still, you know, he's also another artist, I think, who's, who's, who's kind of capturing that right now, that is, you know, that's really doing a, a great job of doing that, of, of really reaching that. And on the rapper side, um, you know, also you have, uh, oh my God, he's Eminem loves this dude right now. Um, he did a video called Will Smith. I don't know if you've seen this, but it literally is probably the best video I've seen in about 30 years. And I'm, is it the Bel Air one? Is... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. saw that. I love it. Absolutely loved it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That right there. Granted, I don't know how he got that stuff clear. My God, I'm sure Will had to do it himself. I don't even know, but that is um, it, 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 that that looks like an old eighty like back when nineties video productions when you spent ten million dollars on a video like and I know and I heard he spent three grand and I'm like wow, but like literally 
that's what that's encouraging to me, Tamar, in terms of that people, some people still, and he he directed the video. I heard himself, but like that right there is what I'm saying. That, that's a benchmark. I think that artists need to look at in terms of where where, where they want to go, as opposed to you know sticking with you know the norm. There's 25,000 records that come on the DSPs every Friday morning. Nine o'clock Thursday night. In other words, twenty-five thousand new songs appear on Apple, Spotify, Pandora. Okay, My, I always tell artists when you say, you might not know that, but you've got to realize how much competition's out there. So you have to be able to some things that we've been talking about. You've got to be able to look at yourself as a video director. You've got to. You've got to. You. It, this is now the time to be the most creative you can be. And for artists, the hard thing is this: some artists want to be artists. They don't want to be the video director. They don't want to be the social media person. They don't want to be the digital person. And so, yes, they will come in and hire me. But guess what? Not everybody has the money to be able to hire a, a, someone like myself or a social media team or a radio team or a sync licensed TV pitch person. So if they've got to do it themselves, they've got to make sure that they're on their game and doing the things we've talked about on this call, you know, on this podcast in terms of, you know, understanding researching, investing within yourself, you know, using the tools that are available to you online. So. Well, 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 we're almost done. This is like, I mean, we have to talk after this call anyway about stuff that I have going on, but I, I am blown away because I, I tell a lot of artists all the time, they're like, Tamar, how do you do half the stuff you do? And I would, I tell them all the time, I, I read, I'm, I'm a junkie for, I said, sometimes artists don't think if you're a part of a PRO, you should be following that PRO on every platform. You should, you know, be reading their newsletters. Right. I said, you'd be surprised at how much stuff I come across just by reading that stuff. You know? <laughs> um, so let, let me ask another question. For a lot of the independent mm -hmm. artists, um, I'm back home right now during the quarantine just to be home and be with family. A lot of artists are taking time and, you know, having some virtual meetings with me. And I'm always telling them to create a budget. And when I give them an idea of things that they net need to set money aside for it, like their eyes bolt out of their head, almost like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but what, what can you give towards like independent artists to say, listen, the reality is you do need a budget, even for visuals, or even if you are using your iPhone and editing and softwares are going to cost money after, the, you know, you do the free subscriptions. And like, what would you say is an ideal budget for a new talent that, is really not making it a hobby, but really is good at whatever they're doing. Like, what would you say is like a good start out budget to have? You know, I'm going to say a good start out budget, you know, and I'm not going to scare any, anybody listening out here, but you no, know, we're talking you candidly. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if you can't come up with it, I'm not saying right away, but if within your campaign that you cannot think in a six to $10,000 range, you probably don't need to be involved in the music business. You just just leave it alone, okay? I mean, it, it's just because it's not. It, it's going to be impossible to be able to hire a good social media person who really aren't a whole lot of money, but still, you know, you, you it, it's a cost to hire someone like myself to hire. You know, uh, we're not going to talk about commercial radio, but we want to get into XM Sirius, which is in music choice, which actually still matter. That's a whole other conversation we didn't have. Um, to be able to bring in, you know, a, a a publicist when it's time, quote unquote, because I'm that's a whole other conversation. I'm, I'm funny with publicists, but basically, you know, and then maybe even a sync TV person to be able to sync, meaning pitching songs for TV and film. Those to me are all the components of what uh, of what record labels have. That basically, a lot of independent artists that I work with also work within somewhat of at least two. At least three of the two to three of those tadpoles are all uh, a part of your campaign, and if you can't do that over, say, you know, a, like, like over a five month, six month period with that budget, I'd say just leave it alone, because I think, and because it, it takes. That's another thing, you know. I tell folks, listen, you know, uh, most campaigns now, you know, you're looking at you're looking at half five six months, you know. Um, Three months on the low, but you know, you you know, it, it, as I learned from Jimmy Ivy, my work at Interscope, he's like, look, nothing's changed. An artist should be putting out a new piece of content every two months, and it needs to be worked every two months, two to three months. And if they, if artists isn't doing that consistently and doesn't have the means to do that, 
then they're not they're not meant to be an artist. It's not going to happen for them. So it's you know so when you look at who was it was the uh, the young lady who won all the Grammys uh, out of Pasadena who recorded her album out of her bedroom with her brother, um, Billy English. You know, um, people go, well, wow, Billy English did it. Billy English is in her living room. You know, and her brother. I said, no, no, no. But Billy English and her brother literally invested in the equipment to make their music properly. And secondly, she invested in her social media on her own to get the, she got signed off of YouTube, but she worked that. She understood the tools she needed to be able to use to do YouTube advertising, monetization, to be able to get to the point to where she ended up getting signed. So um, to me, I, I'm just saying six to 10 racks over like at least a five to six month period if an artist can't do that, and even that still, then they just need to, you know, they need to figure something out. The other thing I tell independent artists is this: you don't quit your J job. A lot of my artists, you know, some of them are in college and they got a job at night. Some of them got a regular day job, and then they got a night gig, which pays. Always figure out the ans- the income that you're investing into your business should be not your main income; it should be your ancillary income. So. It's the side business money. It's you know it's uh, you know uh, I've had people that are like really good in the stock market, in the stock market, and you know like you know, you know I'm going to take a piece of this out and invest in some new equipment or to make my video. But I but it's or and then the other thing is some people are very savvy at finding investors, and some aren't. You know um, I'm blessed with I got a lot of clients that are independent that are able to go and find find money within the gospel space. Um, I've got I've had artists that have basically gone back within you know, their church community and they've done GoFundMe's to be able to, you know, to, to, to be able to pay me <laughs> to be able to pay for their videos. So, you know, it really, it, and with jazz artists, you know, a lot of them it's easy because they can tour so they can take their touring money. You know, people like my, the old heads I deal with, like, you know, Howard Hewitt or Lenny White, uh, Lenny Williams and Johnny Gill last year. And it's easy for them because they're just going, oh, well, we just got off the road buried here. I can go ahead and pay you. But, you know, I just think that that's, Normally, some a, a a a number that I think that an artist needs to think about, and 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 they and they need to plan that ahead of time. Don't just put all your music out there and sit here and go, oh, it's on Apple now, and just sit here and wait like all of a sudden or Spotify, and then magic's about to happen. It's probably not, <laughs> as opposed to hold on to that content, you know, invest in yourself, you know, find the relationships in your local marketplace, you, you know, if you're Grant writing, that's a whole other conversation that people aren't really privy to in terms of if you've got a record like I have right now from Gene Noble, who's on Hidden Beach, he's Sting's background singer. We have a record called Too Many Lost coming out in the morning uh, about uh, the COVID-19 epidemic. He lost his pastor in New Jersey, and it's an amazing song and video that I'm telling everyone to go and listen to because um, it hits home right now, you know, and, um, you know, Gene put this video together. Like literally, like you know, it, 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 he, he put it together like so quickly, and it was so it was completely economical. But anyway, that's my two cents on on budgets. Barry, I I cannot say thank you enough. I know people are gonna go crazy with this one because I'm gonna make sure they know about this. Especially a lot of people that follow me are always asking all these questions. Um, before I let you go, I want to know what artists are you listening to, like. You know, um, who are you really just like fascinated by? Like, who, who is that for you? Who is that for me right now? With artists right now, I'm going to go back to Thundercat um, and say that to me, I'm, I'm digging him big time. Um, I'm loving Jay Electronica. I love his new album um, as a lyricist. You've got Jay, you've got Jay Z on every record. It's been his first album in ten years. His first ten years, we've been waiting for that album to come. Um, I'm kind of an electric. I'm kind of an electronic soul guy. So Little Dragon, their new album, New Fiction, is dope. Um, if you haven't been up on them for a minute, you got to. Um, you know, heck, Jada Kiss made a dope album actually too um, that I've been, been listening to lately. Um, and uh, you know a lot of independent soul stuff. Moses Sumney, Steve Spacek, uh, you know, or some of the folks that I've been you know, like K Triana. I love that record a lot. Um, it's, it's really dope. Um, Angelina Munoz is also really dope. She got a record with Adrian Young. They're called I Don't Care. It was on the uh, it was on the soundtrack for uh, Insecure last year. So 
that's kind of me, you know, stuff that I've just been digging on my own. If you ever want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y dot Benson 75. Oh, Barry, thank you so much for talking to me. I don't even know how else to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom <laughs> of my heart. You were so welcome. This is the Tamar Podcast. Hey, you guys, it's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Thank you so much for listening to Tamar Talks Podcast. It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Mr. Barry Benson. I have so many more on the way. Trust me, I do, dealing with the arts, how it pertains to what's going on economically for us, and not just for us artists, but creatives overall. I have some podcasts on the way, actually, um, with some people dealing with finances and some very big professionals high up. So definitely you want to tune in. I hope you can come back next time. I have another podcast. Until then, please stay prayed up, you guys. Love on your family. Love on your loved ones. Forgive. Keep loving. Keep talking. Call people that you haven't spoke to on a in a year, in two years. You don't have to say anything, but hey, you crossed my mind. Uh, make sure you say your prayers. Love, love, love. Push through. Keep staying faithful to God's word and um, enjoy this music that I have playing around the house. Just if you're cleaning up, you know, tune into your girl, Ashley Tamar. And I do have an announcement coming on the way. It deals with hint, hint, B-E-T. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. You've asked how long, how long will the promise
Just wait